Welcome, every single soul, to your all-time favorite podcast in the world, Persuasion School. My name is Jake Savage, and if this is your first time here, I am grateful to have you. I'm a former door-to-door salesman, and I knocked on just about 100,000 doors over the course of several years, then transitioned into a sales startup that I helped launch with some people. My job there was to build and train a team of salespeople nationwide. I was a president for the last three years, then this year launched my own consulting business where I leverage corporate sales methods to help nonprofit fundraising teams win bigger donations. And of course, through this podcast, we teach the masses how to become more persuasive, become a more effective communicator so that you can get more of the things that you want in life, raises, deals, dates, mm-hmm. donations, influence people to take action, whatever it may be. But hey, today's Wednesday, and that means we do something a little bit different. We had members of the audience asking to get to know a little bit more about me and my life. So we started Whiskey Wednesday several months ago where, well, I'm a huge whiskey fan, not a connoisseur, but I love the stuff. So we'll try different whiskeys. We'll have either my wife, Alexa, on or my brother, Andrew, so far at least. And Andrew's here with us today. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you for the welcome. Hello, everyone. You're welcome for the welcome. Uh, And so we, it's an informal session on Wednesdays. We hang out, try some whiskey, chat about what's going on in my life. Sometimes it's a story from the past. Uh, That's what Alexa likes to dig into. She's a therapist. She wants to break things down. And with Andrew, we're into some of the same things. So we've been chatting lately a little bit more about uh, endurance sports or exercises. He's, he's been getting more into different, actually he's, he's also into, we're both into trying to level ourselves up looking at ourselves like avatars and seeing if we can make small tweaks to like improve the overall like if you had a status bar am i on the right track how would you describe this yeah yeah i'd say uh um thinking about yourself as like uh in the character creation section in a tony hawk game you see all the stats on the left and your character story rotating on the right Yeah. yeah Uh, and then you go down the line and like boost strength, agility, grind, grind abilities, <laughs> <laughs> turn down Ollie to get more, uh, seven twenty flip or whatever. Yep. And we are all about improving our grind ability. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're grinding right now. So he, he's been bringing up things he's working on, which have been like breathing techniques. And he just recently went 30 days without drinking alcohol, mm-hmm. which we toasted to each week with whiskey. <laughs> um, but he was, he was doing that. And then I'm interested in kind of doing the same thing really, but from an endurance uh, sports perspective and just seeing, I guess, what, uh, what the body is capable of. So that's what these Wednesdays are like. If that's what you're into, then you'll enjoy today's episode. If you are looking for a more structured uh, episode or more structured content on how to become a more persuasive communicator, then just jump over to any episode that does not start with Whiskey Wednesday. We used to have Monday Q&A, and now Monday Q&A is on Patreon, and that helps keep everything else flowing here at Persuasion School. So if you're a supporter, if you've got a question that you want answered on the show, Go to patreon.com slash persuasion school. That's a spot for members only Q&A. So I answer questions that come through from members and that's every Monday or Tuesday that we'll post that. And it's available on, again, on Patreon. And if you're somebody that doesn't want to listen to podcasts through Patreon, fair. You know, you want to keep using your platform that you used to. You can join the membership for $4 a month. That's all it is. $4 a month. 
on Patreon. And then you can actually take that URL from the audio feed and just put it into whatever podcast platform you normally listen to. So if you're an Apple podcast user, go to Patreon, sign up to become a member, then just take the URL, open up the Apple podcast app, and then throw that into your, your library of shows. And it will pop up every time a new episode airs. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to download it. It's just, it's right there. And it's the same thing for most other platforms. So that's the structure of the show. Members only Q&A on Patreon. Then we got Whiskey Wednesday. We got Thursday where I've put together a topic or I've interviewed somebody. And that's a lot of fun. So we're going to kick off with a little whiskey. Mm-hmm. It's also worth mentioning uh, we are currently in, we're currently developing uh, a new segment, Tapered Tuesdays, we've been talking about. Maybe <laughs> yeah. getting that off the ground. Go ahead and educate A lot of questions this. coming in about my tapered sandwich a lot of questions. invention. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fans want to know. I frankly want to know more about it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, gonna, we're thinking about launching Tapered Tuesdays mm. so mm-hmm. everybody can learn a little bit. Yeah, so Andrew's first guest appearance on the show, he talked about creative an innovative, really, idea he had for a sandwich that I guess, as he said, people are dying to know more about. What, what You want to explain that real quick? Yeah, I mean, I'll save the bulk of it for Taper Tuesday. <laughs> but it's essentially a sandwich that is a very particular uh, shape of the bread mm. plus a slice in a very particular spot, too. Okay. All I mean, we're talking about psychology in here all the time, <laughs> you know, with your psychology game running, how music affects that, how this affects this. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking some of those principles and applying it to the classic uh, footlong sandwich sub. You're, so you're applying psychology to the way the sandwich is shaped? Uh, the way it's consumed to make oh, consumed. maximum... Uh, sandwich enjoyment. Yes. Okay. All right. Yep. Well, like I said before, most persuasive thing that you can do is to show, not tell. So maybe you should bring this sandwich next time. Yeah. I'd love to. Or maybe you can go make one right now. After the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, trying, trying, I'm, uh, I'm eager, to, booth, huh? <laughs> eager to try out this tapered sandwich, of course. Um, but today we're going to try some Uncle Nearest Premium Whiskey. All right. So here's the deal. We'll usually try a different whiskey every Wednesday. Sometimes we'll repeat if we really, really like it. And what I truly mean by that is whiskey's expensive, so we're not out there buying new bottles Mm -hmm. every single Wednesday. So we will reuse some. Mm -hmm. But uh, I try to go get at least a little sample bottle so we can try something new. But we promise we'll give new uh, insights and comments. Great point. Each time, even if it's the same whiskey. Great point. Yep. New, new, new insights. Same whiskey. All right, so I've been wanting to try this particular whiskey. So I, when it comes to whiskey, this is my favorite, probably drink, and spirit. I just love uh, neat whiskey, the sort of honey notes and cinnamon, and it's just so unique. There's nothing really like it. So I, I like all bourbon, rye, scotch, all that good stuff. Again, not a connoisseur, but slowly learning more and more about it, and have a lot of having a lot of fun in the process. So. I, man, pre-COVID, I, so we're in DC and I was taking the Amtrak up to New York twice a month for work. So every other Thursday, I'd be on the Amtrak early in the morning, a um, few hours up and then a few hours back in the afternoon. So that was part of my routine. And I remember being on the Amtrak one day and reading the Amtrak magazine 
which is famous, you know, uh, amongst Amtrak riders, I guess. So I'm reading this magazine and I see this article about uh, a new, newish whiskey brand and figured I would dive in and learn a little bit more about it. So here's the story. Again, the brand is called Uncle Nearest and they have different types of whiskey. So Uncle Nearest is the nickname of a man named Nathan Green. And Nathan Green originally was a slave in Tennessee, and he worked on a distillery just outside of, I believe, Lynchburg, Tennessee. And so this distillery was owned by somebody else, but Nathan Green, or Uncle Nearest was his nickname. Uncle Nearest, again, the slave of the people that owned this distillery, he was the one that was really crafting the whiskey. I mean, he was the master distiller himself, but he was crafting the whiskey. He was crafting the recipe. He was the one making uh, absolutely every aspect of the whiskey, which became well known in the Tennessee area at the time. Uh, but of course, did not get the credit for it, being that he was a slave of the family that was producing the whiskey. And so his uh, after the uh, abolition movement, came into place. Nathan Green continued working as a free man at this distillery to support his family. And so the uncle nearest sort of uh, legacy of the whiskey continued under this different brand name. Well, fast forward some time and Nathan Green's descendants got their hands on the recipe for this original whiskey that he would make. And his descendants have since reopened the brand under the name Uncle Nearest, and they are now producing this whiskey to celebrate and continue his legacy, which is a pretty cool story. Yeah, that's so, super cool. Yeah. So I just remember reading this on the Amtrak and thinking, dang, like this is this is incredible. I've got to try this and support the brand. And it's been well over a year, maybe a year and a half, but uh, Father's Day just came around. My wife, Alexa, said, go for it. Grab some whiskey. This is what I wanted to try. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Andrew, let's do you do feel it. like you've been uh, appreciating whiskey more jumping on the show the past few weeks? Yeah, I think um, each time I can notice uh, differences between the whiskeys. Whereas before, I would have just thought any whiskey is just whiskey and I wasn't paying attention to it. So I never was tracking flavors, you know? Now I feel like I'm flavor tracking. I can tell flavor things tracking. are a little different here, a little different there. Mm. So I'm excited to try this one for sure. <clears throat> well, me too. 100 proof. Yeah. Oh. It's a pretty That's nice. Pretty hefty. Pretty hefty. It's a big bottle too. Very big. Yeah. Well, I wanted Very to. Nice. They didn't have any sample bottles and I wanted to go big on this one. So we might yeah. be trying this for a few Wednesdays in a row. Yeah. This looks like about uh, 50 Wednesdays right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or so, more. Looking forward to that. All right, cool. We usually record this not at night, so we said <laughs> minimal amounts, so it could last us a very long time. It smells real good. Yeah, see, that's one thing I'm working on is getting better at being able to provide like the proper adjectives. Which, dude, do you mm -hmm. know Gary Vee, by the way? Uh, no. Oh, man. Gary Vee, like social media, Instagram guy, he's big on helping people build their platforms and why you should do it every day. And he's like an investor into some, maybe he invested into Slack or Skype or Uber or something like that. Mm. And so anyways, he, he had built his own advertising agencies first before getting into the social media game. But way back in the day, his 
parents started a wine shop in New Jersey. And so when YouTube first came out, he would record these videos called under the name Wine Library, where he would try wine. And then in order to, to like pair up the descriptors of the wine, a lot of people say, oh, it tastes earthy or you can taste the like the vines or, the you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or it tastes a little bit like stone or whatever. He would actually take like ground up pieces of stone or dirt and like eat the dirt with the wine just to kind of be goofy and funny. And he did this for years and nobody ever cared. And then eventually it blew up and the the wine store that his parents owned started to blow up as well. And that's like what created the foundation for his later business. But now this no guy's way. like a multimillionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang. So anyways, I got to- Humble beginnings. I got to get on his, his level. Get on that train. All right, let's do this. All right, here it goes. Little sip. I think first you coat the mouth to get a nice mouth coating going. And then you take a sip. So coat coming first. coming first mm. all right coating is complete activating sip <laughs> all right I'll mm. do this now yeah initial thoughts um I don't know that's there's nothing like there's no obvious flavor to grab onto like some of the other ones have had like things or gimmicks or or key flavors or something this just seems like a very well-rounded uh whiskey that it's hard for a beginner like me to know exactly what's going on Mm. yeah so the thing about well first off first taste i love it you really man the whiskey gets better the more you drink. Yeah, you know, I should uh, mention I, I liked it. I definitely liked it. I just can't think of any descriptors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. But usually like by the second maybe whiskey that you have and you don't want to, it's like a bell curve. If you have too many, then at that point you're too buzzed to probably really even enjoy mm-hmm. the whiskey. But there is a bell curve where it starts to taste better on probably like towards the end of your second one because your mouth is coated with the inside. And what I like about this is it does not taste watered down. We've tried a lot of cheaper whiskeys just for fun, and you yep. can instantly tell that it tastes watered down. But this is like very full, yeah, full flavor, a lot of spices involved, good stuff. Yeah. All right, that's that. Whiskey, Uncle Nearest. Go check good. it out. If you're a whiskey drinker, would highly recommend the brand. This is the 1856. I think they have an 1884. That's sort of their main line. But anyway, so, Drew. Mm-hmm. What I had in mind yes, for this episode. Let's do it. Is two things. One little recap, because last week towards the end, we got deep into our armchair philosophizing, mm-hmm. so to speak, on the benefits of, or at least the perceived benefits of not listening to music while we exercise. Yep. And utilizing that as more of like a meditative period. You were starting to do it. I had been starting to do it. And I said I was nervous about my ride, which was going to be the next day, that Thursday. I was nervous to spend five hours on a bike with no music, no podcasts, no audiobooks, sermons, nothing. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, but you know what? All right. So anyways, I, I, I wake up, I do it. And I was nervous. And I was thinking later, 
I think after we recorded the podcast, like asking myself, why was I so nervous? To, like I was, I was more nervous about going five hours without my headphones than I was literally going on a five hour bike ride. I hit a hundred miles on that bike ride. And I was not, I was less nervous about that than I was the no music. And I was thinking later, why is that? And I think it is like a, just a gross, probably, um, what's the word? Addiction. Ugh. What? Oh, gross. <laughs> gross. Whatever. You, oh, a dependency, probably dependency or addiction to like needing to fill empty space with something, some kind of content. And I mean, you and I got into this discomfort that we feel with being alone and sitting in our own thoughts. And we're, we're both trying to get over that by not listening to music. But I think the fact that I was nervous to go without music, it just hit me later that, man, I must be dependent mm-hmm. or have some sort of addiction. Do you ever feel that way? I know you and I have both felt it's helpful for meditative purposes, but do you, would you say you felt a dependency on like needing to fill empty space with stuff? Yes. I think it's one of those things that snuck up on me very, very slowly over the course of many years. Um, I used to go on, if I could think back like five years ago, I remember I would go on these long walks, like three plus hour walks. uh, And I used to kind of cherish that time because I'd be like, who knows what will happen by hour three? Who knows what kind of thoughts will be in my head? Mm -hmm. Um, I also would have to walk to a dealership that was uh, four hours away because I couldn't afford an Uber at the time and I needed to pick up a car. So that's part of it. Um, So I remember being a little bit excited, like, what's going to happen? Like, this is kind of crazy, a little adventure. Um, And then life catches up with you, YouTube catches up with you, texting, this, that, Instagram. And then before you know it, you're like, whoa, I'm filling every space with something. Mm. Um, So you got to... Tone it down, you know, flex those old muscles, those old boredom muscles. Yeah. Do you feel like there's a dependency though? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I was just curious if you felt the same way. Like we both have acknowledged. Yeah. You know what? It's a very subtle dependency and it's very easy to, to, I feel like, discard. Like, oh yeah, I mean, I'm on YouTube a bunch, but I could stop YouTube. Like it's not like a big deal. Like I could, you know. But you're not stopping, you know? It's like it feels so inconsequential and it feels so light that you can just talk it away like, no, nah, it's, it's nothing. It's just a little YouTube. I, yeah. I don't have to do it. Right. Or or you justify it because of the content. Like if it's educational or business yes. related, you're like, I'm doing this to build my business yep. or I'm learning through it. Yeah. Like, I definitely think that's true. I feel like uh, there's Netflixing, you know, where you fill all your time with Netflix and binging and stuff. And then there's more serious content like podcasts and and news. But I think a lot of people are really just Netflixing. But the content is more mature, a little more relevant. Mm. So they they pretend they're not Netflixing. Yeah. But they're Netflixing. That's a great, yeah, that's a good verb right there. I don't know how Netflix would feel about it, but I, I agree. I agree with yeah. the direction that you're taking me. All right. So I felt like I had this dependency and that five hours was so freeing. And again, I was nervous about it, but I was surprised with how quickly the time went by and with 
how not bored I felt over the course of the five hours. I was just thinking about absolutely everything. Got to the point where I was talking out loud to myself, thinking, planning stuff, singing even. It was great. I had just like an absolute blast. That doesn't mean I'm like cured because I'm doing it again tomorrow. I'm not sure how many more Thursdays my Ironman program will have me doing these 100-mile rides every week. might just be a couple more. Uh, It only shows me so far in advance. But I know I had it last Thursday, then this Thursday, and then I believe next Thursday. And I still feel the same level of nervousness. Like, all right, I got one under my belt. I was able to go the five hours with no headphones, no nothing. Can I do it again? What will that be like? You know, will I lose my mind? So we'll see. So tomorrow's the next one. Uh, But the first one went super well. And it's just inspired me to spend as little amount or like spend more time basically with myself, I guess, and not listening to music. So encouragement, encouragement. All right. And then another funny thing, Sunday is typically when I do my long runs. So I normally go one specific direction, which is west. But this past Sunday, I thought, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to go east. So I go east on this bike path. And who do I run into? Freaking Andrew. Me. It's crazy. (laughs) And I ran into you. (laughs) But we both did not have headphones. But we thought it would have been funny if, like, after all (laughs) this talk, we had run into each other and we had headphones and we're listening (laughs) to music. But so I was on a a 15-mile run. And, Andrew, you were on two or three miles? (laughs) whoa hey now two and a half no it was a a solid tenor okay so given that we're we're, we've been on this track of talking about endurance i know 10's pretty long and 15 also long and also it was insanely hot it was 91 felt like 99 with the humidity is what it said so sunday was no joke but i want to hear about your 10 miler since yeah you don't normally go out running 10 miles at a time I don't normally do 10 miles, um, but I was motivated that day because uh, we were doing our classic Sunday dinner at your place, and it's about a 10-mile run to your house. So I was like, this works perfectly. I will run. Instead of doing a loop where I like go two miles and come back and have to see the same scenery twice, I was like, this will be cool. I can run all the way over there, get all sorts of scenery, um, and I'll just be in the area and I, I don't have to backtrack, you know, for me that, that gets annoying is like going one direction and then going back the same direction. It's a little boring. Yeah. So I was pumped to be going one direction the whole time. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Just the novelty of, uh, a new stuff to look at. All right. So he- yeah. here's what I want to get into because for people that have not, uh, dived into or explored this world of endurance, anything, or maybe they just aren't into exercise, but they've kind of been thinking about wanting to get involved and like start exercising. It is always easy. And I know this because prior to getting into this myself, I had these thoughts where you look at somebody who's going out and running 10 miles at a time and you think, oh, must be nice to want to run. Must be nice to be a runner. Must be nice to have like the body with, uh, you know, maybe no issues that allows you to run and like feel good this whole time, right? You can just come up with all these justifications. Mm-hmm. But you and I both know that uh, there are a lot of problems that come with running that long. And usually for us, if you're on a longer run, there there is a period 
where usually like in the beginning, it's kind of like a little bit of a suck period when you're like, ah, and then you kind of get into stride, maybe like five or six miles in, depending on where you're at with your running. And then you're going to hit another wall later where you're like, good God, please let me quit. Like I, I can't go on anymore. This sucks. And you have to find a way to keep going then. Yep. So I think that happens to most people more often than you think, especially to everyone who's like, oh, it must be nice to be a runner. You were talking about how, you know, your feet are like at angles when you, when you run, which hurts. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a little bit like flop footed. I don't know what the real term is, but uh, all my shoes, pronated. pronated, all my shoes look very squished on the inside, but fine on the outside. So I run leaned inwards. And after the, towards the end of that run, the 10 miler, my big toes were just like throbbing. I think I was putting a lot of pressure on the inside of my feet, especially on my big toes. Yeah. So I have to run trying to like bend my feet out the other way. Okay. So you're in pain. And yeah, definitely. it was freaking insanely hot. Yeah. When I saw you, you were struggling. I had yep. just started. I was walking actually when you saw me. I was taking a little walking break yeah. from the run. Because it was so insanely it hot. It must have been 90 you think? No, At I looked least? and it was 91 when I left the house. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And then, but felt like 99 with the humidity. Let's, yep. Let's not forget about that here. <laughs> no, um, forget about that. All right, so you were in pain. And at what point during the 10 miles, or did you hit a wall where like maybe around mile six or seven, I'm curious, to where you were like, screw this. Like, I, I'm just, I hurt and I want to stop. But you had to keep going. Um, I, I did hit a small wall, uh, probably mile seven, where I walked for... Half a mile, I'd say. And then I started running again. So it wasn't a serious wall. It was a, it was a mini wall. Oh, okay, okay. Yep. Gotcha. What do you tell yourself when you go past that wall? Like, are there any things that you tell yourself to help to keep yourself going, to keep putting one leg in front of the other? Um, I don't know. You know what? I think I – here's something I do. I think I don't try and beat myself up about hitting that wall. And I just try and have a good time. Um, so I'll accept the fact that I'm like at mile seven, I'm tired. And I'm like, whatever, this isn't the that beautiful, perfect run where I go 15 miles uninterrupted. You know, I'm just going to enjoy this uh, half a mile walk and then start running again. So I kind of take the break and then keep going. Hmm. If my body will let me in that, in that day, it did. Man, I think that that is so healthy by the way. And I, that's probably like one thing that I'm struggling with a little bit when it comes to my longer workouts, but I inevitably, inevitably will hit that wall too. My wall is getting further and further and further with all this training, but that wall came quick on Sunday. So I did the first seven and a half miles feeling great, great mm -hmm. pace and everything. And then as soon as I hit the turnaround point, I started coming back. I, I made it to like eight and a half. And I really felt it right then. Just not enough food. So the nutrition, you know, the preparation was poor. I was running out of water and I was trying to calculate how much water I had left with how many miles I had left and then rationing it out in my head. Like, okay, a third of this bottle per quarter mile, like, you know, based off of how much I had left and no more of my little, uh, like little uh, goop snacks to help mm -hmm. me go. And just feeling so so depleted and to the point where like you you have it's so hot but you feel the chills a little bit you had that um no i think i was in bad <laughs> i think i was in bad shape 
I was definitely feeling the chills and then stomach and like respiratory, everything just like really, really aching. Wow. And, um, yeah, but I, I think the the only thing that helped me during that time was just like chunking it down into little pieces instead of saying, okay, my God, I have seven more miles to go. Once I was at mile eight in the heat, I was just thinking, all right, like go, just go one more mile. Then once I hit that, I would say, all right, just go one more mile. And my watch is beeping every time I hit a mile to show me my pace. So it's just like, make it to the next beep, make it to the next beep. And that helped uh, a little bit. But um, yeah, I'm always curious just like what the narrative is that people are telling themselves. But what you just said really resonates because I came across this article yesterday, super timely and coincidental, about how um, this woman who has been studying uh, psychology and emotional intelligence, she's also an Ironman athlete and an Ironman champion, she was drawing these parallels to endurance training and emotional intelligence. And one of the things that she said was people with higher levels of emotional intelligence tend to be better endurance athletes because, and there were like several different reasons, and I'd have to pull it up to remember all the different reasons, but something you just said was exactly it, which is people with people with higher emotional intelligence are process-driven versus outcome-driven. So rather than being like beating yourself up because you only made it seven miles before you had to start walking, you were like, no, I'm just, I'm out here to enjoy the process. And Ah. if it didn't turn out exactly how I hope, it's no big deal. Like I'm just, I'm soaking it in as I go. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. You know, I hadn't done that run in a long time, so I was definitely uh, up down to enjoy the process that day. But I can imagine if I was like running a bunch, then that battle probably gets harder because you've already done the process so much that you might uh, start to wait, uh, depend more on the outcome. You know, it's not novel anymore if you do the same run all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, I think at at times it's helpful to set a benchmark and measure your progress every now and then, but I think we can definitely overdo it. Um, And just being able to enjoy the process. I mean, that's one of the things. So there's just... This world of endurance, everything has just been so much fun to explore. And uh, I'm going to keep keeping everybody posted. And if you start getting into it, let me know. I mean, 10 miles is, that's like, that counts as an endurance thing. That, you're yeah, not even I was training proud of for myself. a half marathon. You just went out and did it. That's yeah, huge. That was fun. Um, you going to do another? Maybe in a couple of weeks or something. I had this really great thing going on where I ran the 10 miles. And at the very end of the 10 miles, basically exactly that point, or 10 or 11, there was this awesome brewery right by your house. And that was like a perfect combination, like running through the heat, uh, knowing that there's that, you're going to be at a sweet brewery with AC at the end. Mm. Yeah. Eyes on the prize, baby. Good combo right there. Eyes on the prize. Boom. All right. Well, guys, that wraps it up for today. Better go ahead and close out. Uh, If you are looking for some actual content on persuasive communication, or you want to follow this journey of endurance sports and the Ironman training, catch me on Instagram. It's at it's Jake Savage. That's where I'm most active. Andrew, you're are you active on there? Um, no. Okay. On Instagram? Yeah. I haven't posted in a while. Okay. But when I do post, I'll let you guys know. <laughs> All right. 
Well, you but can... you can find me oh. on uh, our another segment we're working on, Fun Fact Friday, where oh. we do a deep dive of the behind-the-scenes making of our Taper Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> you can figure out how the Taper Tuesdays are made. Yes. Yeah, so... The editing, the splicing, the trimming of audio clips, combining clips, ducking audio to make room for voice over the mm. background music, mm-hmm. sound effects, all that kind of stuff. You'll find out first. All the content you would never want or need <laughs> is available. Coming yep. soon. All right. But, uh, yeah, I would encourage you to, to find me on Instagram. Uh, keep up with the journey. Reach out if you have any questions. And, again, if you are, if you do have a question that you want answered pertaining to effective communication, sales, fundraising, persuasion, asking people out on dates, whatever, send it over via Instagram or jump on Patreon, subscribe, uh, kick your questions over there, and I'll be sure to get to them. Mm-hmm. on the members only Q&A. All right, guys, that's it. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday and week. And then one last thing, be sure to find us on Satisfying Sundays. We explain <laughs> the process of the uh, Fun Fact Fridays. <laughs> explain how those get made. Pretty interesting oh, yeah. stuff. Uh, log on on Sunday. <laughs> log on. There you go. All right, everybody. Adios. Goodbye. <laughs>